3: Thanks so much for listening, everybody. It's the Brian Me Show. Standing by, Brad Blakeman's got to be joining us. You know, he worked for both Bushes, 41 and 43, GOP strategist, and then was firmly in the Trump camp. What does he think about the poll that now shows Donald Trump with higher favorability than Joe Biden six months into his term? Incredible. Dan Bongino standing by. So let's get to the big three. Now with
2: the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three.
4: Number three. President Biden's job approval nationally has slipped six percentage points in a new Gallup survey to 43%. The argument from progressives is if they don't pass the agenda, Democrats will likely lose the House majority, putting moderate Democrats in a very awkward spot.
3: All right. It took an extra year, but Donald Trump now is polling ahead of President Biden on pure performance. The numbers show the worst may be yet to come for the panic fractured Democrats.
5: Number
0: two, you're gonna lose these these 20-year or close to 20-year veterans with this institutional knowledge because of this. If you look up the definition of herd immunity, you're gonna see, you're gonna read about vaccines in alongside natural immunity. So I think there should be exemptions for that.
3: That is Scott Taylor, former Navy SEAL, not doing it. That's what so many in the military and in medicine and in the black community, when faced with Vax mandates, are saying. The confrontation is disastrous. America and the masses are choosing to hand in their uniforms, their hospital gowns. Rather than comply with the nation, uh, suddenly we realize the president of the United States is losing patience with us, and a lot of people don't care.
6: Number one. On September 8th, there were roughly 900 Haitians that were scheduled to be on airplanes to go back to Haiti. And the Biden administration canceled those flights. They said, we're not going to deport you. You can stay here. You can remain in America. The word went out that the Biden administration is not going to enforce the law. And if you're from Haiti, come to Del Rio, because that means you get to stay.
3: 14,000 at the high. We're down to five, but guess what? They lied. That's what DHS said as they told us the Haitian illegals were being sent back to Haiti when, in fact, they're being released into the U.S. interior. Thousands remain in squalor under a bridge. Well, Dems prefer to focus on methods of border patrol on horseback. It is shameful. Let's bring in Dan Bongino, Fox News contributor. He's host of Unfiltered on weekends. On Saturdays, you see him here on Fox News at 10 o'clock former NYPD officer. Uh, he's Facebook's number one guy. a fantastic blog as well. Dan, I know you only have a few minutes, but thanks for joining us.
7: Yeah, I'll be uh, joining you next week. You're doing prime time, right? I'll be doing two days with you. In studio. you Get summer, out of here. You'll have to deal with me. Right up in your grill, in your face, in the studio with you. Two days next week, so everybody needs to watch Brian. We can cause some chaos together there. Co- they may fire us after next week. We may be out of jobs with me and you together in studio in New York. That's deep trouble.
3: Well, I'll put it this way they'll tell, they'll tell, uh, they will not fire you, so that's why I'm going to stand behind you. But Dan, we'll finally answer the question <laughs> everyone needs to know who's got a better body. Uh, we'll finally understand uh, that.
7: Definitely you. That We could do a pose off, but uh, I'm afraid I might lose that. You right. know, I got chicken sticks for legs these days. So <laughs> you, <definitely, laughs> you, de- you were like a soccer player, as I'm worried. Hey, and you called the UFC fight, too. So you got closer to the UFC than I did despite training many years. <laughs> uh, that's true.
3: That, that's true. You should be uh, fearful of me. Uh, so, Dan, <laughs> yeah. out of all the times I thought Democrats would be engaged in the border with President Biden, I did not know it would be because of. Uh, border Patrol on horseback. Can you explain this fake outrage we're now seeing?
7: Well, the Biden administration, they love it. It's, it's not, you know, the fake outrage is useful to them. It changed the narrative from Biden's failure on the border, which even some left wing media outlets were forced to recognize precisely because of the Malugin uh, coverage we we did at Fox. And that air, that air drone. I mean, you, Brian, you saw it right in front of your face. I mean, you had Bidenvilles, you had shanty towns of ten thousand people on the border. It was hard to ignore. So the Biden administration was looking for any reason to change the narrative, and any time they can use identity politics or class warfare, they will. And this fit both. Uh, this fit both of those categories. You had Haitians who were who were largely black. Um, and, and largely poor at the border, and you had an image that was mischaracterized as a whipping incident, but there was no whip and no incident. So the Biden administration loved it. I mean, you know, I hope nobody out there believes that the Biden administration wasn't part of it, even though it ref, you know, may reflect poorly on them. It doesn't. They love it. It changed the narrative from their grotesque failures, and now people are talking about this fake story rather than the real story, which is a, a literal invasion at the southern border.
3: Right. Uh, here is Maxine Waters, Cut 16.
8: What the hell are we doing here? What we witness takes us back hundreds of years. What we witnessed was worse than what we witnessed in slavery. Cowboys, with their reins again, whipping black people.
3: Is she, is she? I don't have to answer the question, is she out of her mind? She is out of her mind. Yeah. I,
7: no, she is. And, you know, there's a temptation, though, with many on the right. I get this a lot. Even on my podcast when I cover AOC, Maxine Waters, you know, that whole crazy brigade of people, whenever I cover them, I get a bunch of emails. Oh, just ignore them. No, no, don't ignore them. Believe me, things like this being said by people in power with a megaphone cause a lot of problems. And if we don't refute them and address it immediately, we can't just, you know, you and I know she's crazy. Like, that's just a nutty thing to say. We get it. But we don't assume like 25, 30% of the population that identifies as liberals do understand this is good. They think this is perfectly legit, that this is the equivalent of whippings in slavery, which is, I mean, insane. It's, it's, it's insane, but it must be addressed, it can't be ignored.
3: So, uh, Dan, I want to pivot, if we can, over to the arrest of, excuse me, the indictment of uh, Michael Sussman, the lawyer, who wasn't candid when he said he had a client named Hillary Clinton. That's why he was coming forward with information about a phony linkage between a bank and the Trump organization, a Russian bank and a Trump organization. Some sigh and say, oh, how disappointing. He's not a big name. Uh, Others don't. Nobody knows this investigation like you do. What do you think is significant about the Durham uh, that the Durham gave us last weekend?
7: Well, there's one huge nugget that shockingly keeps getting overlooked. Uh, Number one, it was a 27-page indictment for a simple false statements charge. I've never seen that in my entire 12 years I was a federal agent. You do a false statements charge. If you lied to me about robbing a bank, I put in the indictment, Brian Kilmeade lied on such and such a date. He said this. We knew it to be false, and that's it. It's a one-pager. So everybody should be asking themselves, why did he write a 27-page indictment? Now, could it be a big head fake because he knew the DOJ wouldn't prosecute anyone else? So Durham's putting it out there for the media to read the whole story? Possible. Um, I don't think it is, though. And I think the nugget everybody missed is that the, one of the allegations, I think it's 42 or something in the indictment, is that in February of 2017, Sussman made this false charge again in front of another federal agency outside of the District of Columbia. Why does that matter? Since Donald Trump was already president. So remember, the whole thing was like, oh, they only spied on candidate Trump, not when he was president. Really? Because that indictment seems to say something totally different. And, and by the way, remember, Trump was obviously president in February 2017. And think about part two of that. Not only was it still going on when he was president, the line, but who is this agency outside of the District of Columbia? I mean, could it be Langley? Could it be the CIA? I don't know. It doesn't say. It says agency two. But that's kind of strange. It's not agency one, the FBI. So who else was this guy coordinating with? And did you notice nobody in the media picked that up? Nobody. No. So you're and, and- telling me while Donald Trump was president, this guy could have been meeting with the CIA to lie again? I mean, this is insane.
3: And then you see how exercised people like John Brennan were, and uh, and, and later uh, all these other guys that got hired, they were later defamed when they were exposed uh, by this probe, uh, and they went to MSNBC as contributors. So— Uh, As the president, like the former president says, the lovebirds, uh, they both got jobs on MSNBC because of this. And then you see how many uh, people there just were not aware uh, of, in this country, were not aware of the fake linkage. Do you think right now, how much, in retrospect, how much damage do you think was done during the Trump year to Trump presidency by this probe?
7: I I mean, I think it was... uh I mean, it's almost existential. It was catastrophic damage. I say almost because he managed to survive it. But, uh, I mean, there's no question Donald Trump could have done a whole lot more if his team – I mean, it's an opportunity cost of time. Sorry, there's a plane in the background. There's an opportunity cost of time. And think about how much time and money was wasted by this administration defending himself against a charge that was completely fabricated and made up. I mean, you know, I'm going to address on my show this weekend, the Fox show – you got to remember that when when Clapper, Susan Rice, Ben Rhodes, and Samantha Power were called in front of the committee under oath to state what evidence they had that there was anything behind this hoax at all, they all said nothing. They had nothing. They made the whole thing up. And I think it crushed them. I think it crushed Donald Trump on immigration. It stole a lot of his political capital. And I think it it hurt him uh, with re-election as well. I think it did significant damage.
3: So I want to bring you to approval ratings of Harvard-Harris poll, hardly a right-wing bastion. Real quick, I know you got to run, but when November 2020 rolled around, Biden had 50% approval, Trump 46. Now, in September 2021, Trump's up 48-46. What do you think the American people are finding out about President Biden and President Trump six months in?
7: I think people are saying, ah, you know, I think I'll take the mean tweets back, right? Because numbers matter. You know, people, voters, good informed voters aren't stupid. They're saying, okay, we had uh, encounters at the border at about 30 to 60,000 under Trump. They're at 200,000 now under Biden. Um, Inflation was managed under Trump, 2 percent CPI or less per year. It's uh, running at four or 5 percent now under Biden. People see that, Brian. You know, people see the images of the border. They go to the gas station. They see the inflation. They see steak, you know, costing two or three times as much. They see that they can't get a used car. You can't hide this stuff you know, there are things you can hide, right? You know, you can hide in some essence, you know, prescription drug prices if you're not taking that specific drug. But things that affect every American really change the polling calculus immediately. And things that affect everyone are food, right, gas, and imagery they can see on the news that they can't hide. So I, I think it's going to get worse. Um, I think the scenario for Biden is, is, is going to get dreadful in the coming months. And uh you know, I'm really afraid. I, I was on last night with uh, Pete, and I said, I'm I'm not an optimist here. I'm a realist. I, I think unfortunately, uh, it's going to have to hit rock bottom, and we're not there yet. I mean, think about it. Six and ten Californians still voted for uh, you know feces in the street and exploding homicide rates and. You know, I think it's going to get a lot worse, and I think then it'll turn around.
3: And he's also off; uh, he's doing very poorly with, uh, with independence, which will decide the election. And keep in mind, too, the Afghanistan. The president thinks he's, we're going to forget about it. We will never forget about how we yeah, left Afghanistan.
7: That, yeah, I didn't even bring that up. You're absolutely right. No Dan, one wants to see our people left behind.
3: And nobody wants to see you late for your podcast. So, Dan Bongino, yeah. we'll listen to your radio show <laughs> you. and listen to your podcast.
7: And watch me next week with you. In studio, right? causing chaos. Once and we'll for all, perfect.
3: we'll find out who has better dimples and who has bigger biceps, okay? <laughs> all right. You got I'm looking it. looking forward Let alone the substance. Dan Bongino, thank you so much, and I, I look forward to having you uh, on next week on primetime at 7 o'clock Eastern time. When we come back, your turn, one 408 We're just scratching the surface and everything we have to expose. We're losing Navy SEALs. We're losing nurses and doctors. Why is that? I'll explain when we come back.
2: Challenging conventional thought and wisdom. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Fox
9: News Radio On Demand on the Fox News app. Download the app and just click listen. When you swipe left, you can listen to your favorite Fox News talk shows live. Swipe right for the latest Fox News Radio newscasts on demand. Fox News Radio on the Fox News app. Download it today.
3: As many of you know from your own life experiences, a life in so-called blue-collar work is something to be proud of.
2: A talk show that's real. This is The Brian Kilmeade
0: Show. Why do you think in the most recent poll from Gallup that 43% of Americans now approve of his handling of the job, which had been well above 50% only a matter of weeks ago? What do you think in the eyes of Americans has changed that you guys have not done well enough?
1: Well, uh, I think the country is going through a lot right now. Um, And uh, people are still uh, under the threat of covid uh, that is concerning to a lot of people. We see that in polls as well. Even as they approve of the president's handling of COVID, uh, that's still something impacting people, people's lives. There's a great deal of anxiety about that.
3: Uh, that president, you know, Gen is not inaccurate. I think there's anxiety about it because- uh, he's blistering people on getting vaccinated, when the other thing is you could be focusing on therapeutics. Number two, he still got over 50% approval when it comes to that, but it was in its high 60s, and that was bringing up all his ratings. But think about Afghanistan, think about the border, think about the Iron Dome, his party denying a billion dollars from Israel's defense as an ally. Think about how he upended and embarrassed in France. Think about his lack of communication with NATO. Also think about the fact uh, that... We have no coherent policy when it comes to our number one enemy, China, except acquiescence and weakness. I think all that plays into it. Charles Lane weighed in last night, too. And keep in mind, too, we are also looking at a reconciliation package and a bipartisan, both uh, technically infrastructure packages, both in trouble. Cut 36.
10: The progressive view is that the way to win this election next year is to pass a lot of bills that the polls say are popular. Uh, and that fulfill many of the promises that they made in 2020, including that President Biden made. And moderates uh, look at it from the point of view of their districts, which are a lot closer, and say, if we embrace that entire agenda, I'm going to lose my seat, which is part of losing the House. I mean, the truth of the matter is, Brett, that with redistricting and with the usual trend of a president's first term uh, being unfavorable in House elections— Democrats really don't have a great chance, to begin with, of of holding the
11: House.
3: Yeah, and if you look at the president's approval rating with independents, it's now down to 49%, where in June of 2021, it's at 56%. Independents will make or break this election. Independents' approval of Biden in January twenty one was 61%. Now in September, uh, this is down to 37%. That is so abysmal, I can't put it into words. Uh, that is a Gallup poll. Vice President, for some reason, Harris has better poll numbers at forty-nine percent. Are you kidding? Meanwhile, when it comes to this reconciliation package, real quick, and I'll get to the phones. John Podesta wrote a letter from, and because he's this, you know, first with Clinton and with Obama, played a key role. Uh, sent a memo to every Democrat on Capitol Hill, imploring them to scale back in the 3.5 trillion in the interest of compromise, warning that the doing so otherwise would sink the right sinking both bills and costing the party control of Congress in next year's midterm elections. That could be happening. The other one needs a simply simple party line vote. President had five hours of meetings yesterday just to win over moderate Democrats and liberal Democrats. He's reporting very little progress. What he asked was to Manchin. he says, give me a number you can live with. He says, I'm not going to give you a number. Number one, I don't agree with all your tax increases. Number two, I don't agree with a lot that's in this bill. He doesn't agree with a lot of the green stuff that's in this bill. He does not agree with the uh, free junior college without means testing. He does not believe in free preschool. That doesn't make sense. He doesn't want to have free school lunches on a universal basis. That is not logical, nor is it affordable. So you have cradle, uh, free elder care at what cost? Everybody wants to help everybody, but there's this whole world lives within a budget. Why shouldn't he? Why shouldn't we? That is key. So Kimberly Strassel talked about the chances of of the president benefiting from this reconcilia- reconciliation package failing. Like Senator Chris Coons has kind of indicate he wants to. <laughs> Cut 34.
1: And I'd have to say that that is behind these fall and these poll numbers. And so in one way, you can make the argument that maybe the best thing that could happen to Joe Biden would indeed be the failure at least of this 3.5 trillion reconciliation bill. Yes, his progressives would be angry, but it'd be a chance for him to reset, get back to that, what he said he was going to govern as, uh, claim that infrastructure bill as a win, uh, as a bipartisan win, and and, and start afresh. Um, and we'll see if that is landed on him, whether he wants it or not.
3: But the problem is... Bernie Sanders thinks he was elected. AOC thinks she was elected because they gave in and supported him, even though they supposedly disagreed with him, even though when Bernie debated, debated Biden, they sound exactly the same. He took all his issues. So when Bernie comes up with this package of $6 trillion people left, they go down to 3.5. He won't budge. But that 3.5 will get Joe Biden fired because it's full of agenda items, not necessary fiscal items, which is part of the reconciliation definition. Uh, We'll go inside those numbers again with Brad Blakeman, also talk about uh, what we're looking at now in terms of what's happening at the border, what Republicans should really do.
2: It's the
9: Hammer Time Podcast. Fox News Channel's Bill Hammer takes you one-on-one with engaging personalities covering the critical issues of the day. Find Hammer Time now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News.
2: A radio show like no other, it's Brian Kilmeade.
1: I think if you step back, one of the problems that Joe Biden just has in his presidency is he has yet to pick a spot. He ran as a moderate, right? And if you look out there, the vast majority of of, uh, Americans want a secure border. And so that requires him to go and deal with this Haitian problem. At the same time, uh, he's trying to cater and has been from the beginning to progressives uh, who are demanding policies that are behind the reason why we're having these surges? And the administration seems not willing to change track on those policies. And so you end up with the, 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 the hits from both sides. And until this president decides how he's going to govern, I don't see how that changes in, in any other issue as well either.
3: I know. I mean, he doesn't, he comes out and he's for uh, climate change, uh, he is for not deporting anybody. He is for pulling us out of all wars, so I'm not really sure. You know, basically, what matters to him, uh, except for I guess to keep his job. Brad Blakeman joins us now, GOP strategist, member of the President uh, George W. Bush's senior staff. Uh, Brad, welcome back. Thank you, Brian. Pleasure to be here. What's the biggest surprise so far? Because you've known Joe Biden for years, for with the Biden presidency,
12: that he's a shadow president. He's he's there in name only. And our country is being ruled by a committee of unelected people who the American people don't know. And it's a shadow government, um, basically a surrender, as you point out, uh, to the progressives. And they're trying to jam this through as quickly as they can before 2022. And they're going to get slaughtered. They're going to get slaughtered at the ballot box in 2022. And I think the Republicans are going to be setting up to take back the the Senate, the House, and in 2024, the White House.
3: Well, who would be running things if it's not Joe Biden? Because Kamala Harris seems totally out of her depth.
12: Well, I think you've got the chief of staff, Ron Klain. I think you have Pelosi. I think you have Schumer. Um, there are a handful of people. I think Barack Obama, is his fingerprints are all over this. And I think that uh, Joe Biden basically comes in the office. He's told what to say and do. Uh Jill Biden, from what I understand, is basically Mrs. Wilson and controlling his access and how many events he does, the time he spends in the office. So uh, it is being ruled by committee. There is no doubt.
3: All right. We'll see where it goes. Now, yesterday for five hours, he met with moderates uh, for some and and with uh, the left wing for others. He kept saying to Joe Biden, just uh, Joe Manchin, give me a number. Tell me what number you settled in. Manchin said No. I need to know the programs, and I'm not for all these tax increases, but I do want to know whatever you're going to do, how much you're going to pay for it. He said, I want to put it off to 2022. Cinema's digging in. John Tester's caved already. You know the progressives have said we won't sign off on the 1.2 if we don't have the 3.5 on the same day. How does this play out? You've seen log jams before from one party, yours and others. Well, this
12: this is Russian roulette, and uh, it's never a good game to play. And, you know, Joe Manchin can be a statesman. He is a statesman. Um, Whether he'll remain a statesman remains to be seen. But Joe Biden's right. It's not about a number. It's about programs. It's about separating needs from wants. It's about not taxing and spending America into oblivion. Uh, When you're talking about a $3.5 trillion, 10,000-page bill, it's not about a number. It's about what's in the bill. And for a change, we should be worrying uh, about what's in the bill and, and, and then what, the, what is the price tag for it. And Joe Manchin and Semina have, have a crucial role in holding uh, the president's feet to the fire because it's going to be uh, – their jobs are on the line. I'm, I'm now living in Arizona, and I'm looking at, at, uh, at my U.S. senator. And, you know, her days are numbered if she doesn't do what she claims to do, and that is hold
3: Democrats' feet to the fire. Hey, Brad, Cinema is actually living up to the purple state mantra. Kelly is the invisible one, and he's the one up for election.
12: Isn't that crazy that you would think the one who has got the most on the line wouldn't be rising to the occasion? I, I, I happen to think he is ripe for the taking. And by his silence, as you said, he can run, but he can't hide. And he can't hide from the people who voted him in.
3: Brad, you were there with President uh, Bush forty one and forty three, especially on nine eleven. Uh you were there and now we see the dis- uh we see the dismount from Afghanistan, one of the worst moments in American military history. We left at least they say ten percent American allies, assets, and green card holders behind. Listen to what Michael McCall says is being reported of Afghanistan right now. Cut forty-three.
11: In the uh, briefing, intelligence briefing, everybody walked out. I believe there are still hundreds of Americans still left behind. And now I'm getting reports of, you know, executions, beheadings of their families and themselves. I don't think they know all the answers, quite honestly. This is some
3: of the horror video that we've seen: the Taliban kicking women out of schools, out of ministries. We know they have Al Qaeda in their cabinet. Uh, I mean, what is going on right now? President Biden wants this to go away. Will it? No,
12: of course not. The very enemy that attacked us 20 years ago has just been given a rebirth. Um, And they have a whole country now uh, at their disposal. Not only that, but they have tremendous amounts of American assets to use against their own people, uh, our allies in the region and us. So what happened 20 years ago? Um, is is now possibly uh, given the opportunity to happen again. And it's done because a president fecklessly, uh, precipitously re- re- reduced our forces and, and exposed us to great
7: harm.
3: So I'm fascinated to see what's going on on the border and see how the, pre- the president Biden is just totally hands-off and allowing thousands to pour in. They estimate already fiscal year 1.2 million. We don't know how many, are still here. We do know that anyone at the border says they are flat out overwhelmed. But I have something to show you, and that is what's in the New York Times today. They paint Joe Biden as Donald Trump 2.0. The left, according to the New York Times, is upset. The question has to be asked. Here's a quote. How are you actually different from Trump, says Maria Franco, the executive director of some Latino rights group, Biden's campaign, uh, Representative uh, Bernie Sanders said, you campaigned that immigration was one of the places where Trump was inhumane and failed. And the last time I checked, Trump is not president anymore. We also find out through this story that Biden was urged to keep the president, pre- former president's policies in place. He says, as a candidate vowed to take action the first day of office to end the Trump-era policy that forced asylum seekers to wait in Mexico. Officials are drawing up migration policy memos and advisors push back, saying um, you have to leave to leave this in place uh, because all hell would break loose. They argue that an abrupt move would open up the door to asylum seekers. But the Bi- Biden campaign facing pressure decided to reverse it all. Does that sound like Afghanistan to you? And also, does the left understand the difference between Trump and Biden for real?
12: No, they don't. And and look, Joe Biden created this crisis. Uh, Trump ended it when when he took office. He basically said, "You can't get in. You got to follow the rules." And and we're going to increase border security. We're going to put up a wall. We're, we're we're going to enforce the laws of America. And we didn't have a crisis on the border because Trump was clear. There's there's no vacancy in America. For people who who want to break our laws, Joe Biden said all are welcome, and now throughout the border, this our southern border, there is a crisis, and and it's a crisis of health, it's a crisis of of, of humanity, and it's a and it's a a, a crisis of lawlessness, and and this is all created by Biden, it's on Biden, and Biden hasn't been near the border, nor has his czar uh, Kamala Harris. Where is she? She's nowhere to be seen, and she's in charge.
3: So real finally, I know that you know, you're know you more of a traditional Republican who understood that Trump was doing some real good things while not buying into all of his agenda by, by a long shot. And today, they, that book, Peril, is out, which has a lot of Republicans in it, one of which is Mitch McConnell, who dismisses President Trump as a fading brand, he says sucking up to him is not a strategy that works. Is Donald Trump a fading brand?
12: Uh, I happen to believe he is. Uh, I think he's got he's got a base, but you know uh, usually uh, presidents fade away. Not Donald Trump, nor should he. I mean, he's he can be tremendously helpful in places. He can be helpful, and he can be hurtful in other places. Um, but you know, the, the Trump, uh, I believe is is an important part of our party. But he is a part. He's not the the whole of the party. And I believe you know in his policies, a lot of his policies work very well for America It was his rhetoric it was always a balance between rhetoric versus results but we need new dynamic young leaders to rise to the occasion like DeSantis and Scott and others and they will because that's the organic process of politics
3: so you do not think he's 99% sure to run according to people close to him you don't think that would be a good move for Republican Party
12: no, not at all. I think he, uh, Donald Trump can be tremendously helpful in getting people elected in 2022. He can be tremendously helpful in getting the White House back, but he's not the guy.
3: Does anyone run of substance that has a shot uh, if he runs? Of course, and you're going to see the same, you know, uh,
12: amount of, of uh, candidates running, good, capable candidates running. And and the the test, Brian, will be who's starting to show up in Iowa, and New Hampshire, and other battleground states early, and that'll give you a good blueprint as to who best is going to be uh, trying to get the
3: nomination. Outside Chris Christie, you told me he's going to run anyway, uh, I don't think there's any way Pompeo runs. There's no way DeSantis runs. There's no way Nikki Haley runs. There's no way Tim Scott runs. I don't think there's any way Rick Scott runs if Donald Trump's in. Do you think I'm wrong on any of those counts?
12: Yep. I think they're all going to run if they think uh, they want that office, because I, I believe that they're they're going to feel that they're, this is the time to run. It's an opportunity, and they will do so. I don't think Donald Trump's going to scare people, very many good, capable people away.
3: What are you doing with Tunnel the Towers?
12: I'm coming in uh, uh, today. Uh, you know, the great thing about Frank Siller and Tunnel the Towers is, you know, he doesn't tell you the 10 ways things can't get done. He, he finds that one way to get things done, whether it's to pay off people's mortgages, first responders, or military. And last year, Brian, when they said, when New York City said no to, to a ceremony uh, on 9-11, uh, Frank Stiller and Tenants of Towers rose to the occasion, and they're doing it again this year. There's going to be a kickoff concert with Leonard Skinner uh, tomorrow night in Liberty State Park. Uh, and then, of course, the, the race through uh, the battery tunnel uh, from Brooklyn to, to uh, uh, New York, just like Steve Siller did on that fateful day in 9-11 with all his gear as a fireman to save people, and he perished. My nephew perished on that day as well in New York State, uh, court officer saving people. Uh, the Siller Foundation is probably the gold standard for, for charities, and I'm gonna, I have to be there to support that.
3: All right, great. Uh, I think that's going to be important. And Frank Siller, of course, a big sponsor of this show, too, T2T.org. A lot of people are concerned about their money going to the right place. Understand, if you give to that organization, it's going to the right place. Brad, thanks so much for joining us.
12: Okay, thanks for having me, Brad. You got it. Brad
3: Blakeman uh, will be here a little bit later on and has been in and out of politics for the last 40 years, Republican side. 1-866-408-7669. I don't agree with him. I think everybody I mentioned outside Chris Christie will not run if Donald Trump runs. Do you think I'm wrong? Brian Kilmeade Show.
2: Expanding your knowledge base. It's Brian Kilmeade from the Fox News
9: Podcasts Network. Download and listen to The Untold Story with Martha McCallum. The host of The Story on Fox News Channel sits down with major newsmakers each week to get their untold story. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com.
2: The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade.
11: We have uh, a letter that I know has been referenced from outgoing Border Patrol Chief Rodney Scott that basically claimed uh, of great concern that he's witnessed any lack of meaningful effort to secure the southern border. And I'd like to ask you, this person was 29 years in the department, a nonpartisan actor, somebody that served five administrations uh, with the only goal of securing this country. Is the border more secure under your leadership than when you started?
13: Uh, Congressman, the border is secure. We're executing our plan, and I've been very clear and unequivocal in that regard. M- Mr. I Secretary, said-
11: my, the question is Is the border more secure now under your leadership?
13: Congressman, it is no less secure than it was previously. Does
3: anyone believe that at all? You've seen these images. You remember a president that was engaged, that would go down there, be building a wall, adding border agents, giving them raises, meeting with union members. And when things got bad, he said, this is bad. You're fired. New acting director. I was there. Defense department. Get down there. Go meet with Honduras. Go meet with Guatemala. Go meet with Mexico. Cut deals. And if you hustle and try to do a job, welcome to America. That's what we do. Not everything is perfect. Not every strategy works out and pans out. The other president tried. And by the way, Bush was trying to do comprehensive but new border security. He had buy-in from Democrats on border security. Now there's no buy-in. I don't get it. But it's part of the reason why 2022 will be a disaster that Democrats think that if they crack down on the border, it's bad for the Hispanic vote. It is not because Hispanics are Americans first. Howard Listening Coil uh in uh Omaha, Nebraska. Hey Howard.
14: Hey Brian, it is critically important for all of us that we encourage these Republican candidates to stand up and run whether Trump runs or not. Last week think I went so? to a Tom Scott, Tom Scott, um I'm sorry, Tom Cotton dinner over in Iowa and personally encouraged him to run with his friend Tim Scott. Uh yeah, I don't care who's at the top of the ticket, but yes, Trump Got me so angry in closing, when he talked about the Afghan army um, members signing up only to earn a paycheck.
3: Now, the, I I didn't see that quote, but there's a lot in the army that did fight hard. As soon as we lost the air cover, as soon as they lost their support, they didn't want to see their family killed. Those night letters came in, and they left. They had a terrible leader, but the president, both presidents, uh, identified Gahani as a terrible leader but i don't know why where they dug him up from johns hopkins as a professor is that the best anything was better than carzaios beginning to lose his mind william listen watching on fox nation hey william
14: yeah how you doing brian
3: good what's on your mind
14: well i think uh, i think they should have backed the president a heck of a lot more than they did that's one of the biggest problems they didn't back him there's a lot of swamp in there actually i'd call it septic not swamp uh, but uh, they they should have backed him. He could have done a heck of a lot more. I think he did more than any other president ever for, for the people. Because he was for the people. These pe- these guys now are punishing the people every way they can.
3: Worst they I've ever killing- seen. Worst I've ever yep. seen, William.
14: It, it couldn't get any worse, I don't think. But leave it to them. That's what they're great at. They're just destroying the country right down to the... Nitty-gritty or nothing.
3: Thanks so much, William. Vince WJBL in Brooksville, Florida, right around Tampa. Hey, Vince.
14: Yeah, how you doing? Um,
12: That uh, last host that was saying that uh, Trump is irrelevant, I I told
14: you— Brad Blakeman. Yeah, yeah. I uh, called your call screener, and I told him I clean carpet in eight counties in central Florida, Ocala, Yep on and on, and there is nothing but Trump signs and banners everywhere. I mean, look at the villages. Look at the fundraising that's been going on in the villages, I guess, for his
12: legal... uh,
3: Yeah, the uh, the numbers say you're right. What he's got to do, though, is win over, not Vince, in Tampa. He's got to win over Middle America. He's got to get those purple states red again. He shocked everybody by uh, by locking in Arizona, Pennsylvania, uh, by making, running away with Ohio. He's got to do that again.
9: Get this and all your favorite Fox News podcasts ad-free on Apple Podcasts with Fox News Podcasts Plus. Just go to foxnewspodcasts.com for all the details.
2: Live from the Fox News radio studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox & Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade.
3: Thanks so much, everybody. It's Brian Kilmeade. Got a lot of uh, plates in the air looking at some of these horrible poll numbers for the President of the United States. With a very compliant media, and with so many people, Democrats, in and around this country, I never thought he would fall so quick so much, and he is. We'll discuss all of that. Uh, We have Chris Wallace standing by and Jonathan Turley at the bottom of the hour. One one of those guys went to law school. Pete, could you find out which one you'll get on that? Great. Last night, I had a chance to... uh, Go to the uh, Michael Murphy uh, had a big benefit. There's going to be a SEAL Museum and there's a SEAL Foundation and Michael Murphy, a legendary SEAL. He was depicted well in, in uh, Lone Survivor. I was able to be there, so I cannot wait to talk to Chris about that because he's got his great book out, which is selling like crazy, called Countdown Bin Laden. So let's get to the big three.
2: Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three.
4: President Biden's job approval nationally has slipped six percentage points in a new Gallup survey to 43%. The argument from progressives is if they don't pass the agenda, Democrats will likely lose the House majority, putting moderate Democrats in a very awkward
3: spot. Yes, Mike Emanuel doing his best newscaster voice. It took an extra year, but Donald Trump's now outpolling Joe Biden on pure performance. The numbers show the worst may be yet to come for the panic fractured Democrats.
13: Number
0: two, you're going to lose these, these 20 year or close to 20 year veterans with this institutional knowledge because of this. If you look up the definition of herd immunity, you're, you're going you're to read about vaccines in alongside natural immunity. So I think there should be exemptions for that.
3: Well, that was Scott Taylor, former Navy SEAL and congressman, not doing it. That's what so many in the military and in medicine and in the black community are saying when it comes to vax mandates. We'll discuss it.
6: Number one. On September 8th, there were roughly 900 Haitians that were scheduled to be on airplanes to go back to Haiti. And the Biden administration canceled those flights. They said, we're not going to deport you. You can stay here. You can remain in America. The word went out that the Biden administration is not going to enforce the law. And if you're from Haiti, come to Del Rio, because that means you get to stay. That
3: is a little of the breakdown that Ted Cruz did, because he's been all over this border issue being a Texas senator. Lied. That's what the DHS did when they told us the Haitian illegals were being sent back to Haiti, when in fact they're being released into the U.S. Thousands remain in squalor under the bridge, about 5,000, while Dems prefer to focus on the methods of border patrol on horseback. The whole thing is shameful. With me right now, Chris Wallace. Hey, Chris.
14: Again, no introduction. What the heck has happened here? How's that?
6: Well, you know, it was kind of funny last
14: week, but you know, you used to have a production open. Uh okay. All right, I guess this is it. You you you've cut back and uh I think it was when they turned on you. I think when your own staff used <laughs> to mock you in the open that you've just had enough with the those. All right, let's talk seriously here.
3: All right, so first off, a
14: bo- yeah, let's so, talk uh, about we, let's talk uh, about the border. Right, it's a mess, and, it, and 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 the administration's handling of it has been a mess, and you know it just one mistake after another they pile on. Whether it's pulling out of Afghanistan, the disrespect we showed to the French. You know, the the foreign policy president messing that up, uh, the situation at the border. Uh, it, it's, you know, look, I understand there have been more than a million apprehensions over the course of the last year or since Biden came in this year, I guess. And, and uh, it, you know, so this is relatively small, but there are certain events and certain images that galvanize people's minds. And and I have to say, seeing that, that flood of Haitians coming across the dam and, and, and then 15,000 of them all massed in one place under this bridge, and then they said, well, we're going to deport them. And yes, there started being plane, plane flights in the last couple of days, maybe not originally, in early September. And then it turns out, we find out yesterday, no, but also thousands are being released into the, the, the country with an NTA, a notice to appear which is barely worth the paper that it's written on it this is a mess
3: it is and a couple of things just on the ambassador to france uh, france is called called their ambassador and just so people know nuclear subs it turns out they were commissioned in 2016 to be built by french by the australians were paying the money and then the u.s came in and said they decided the uk kind of brokered this we're going to go with more expensive more sophisticated nuclear subs so france you're out they didn't even tell them. they found out through news reports and they recalled their ambassador to Australia as well as the U.S. And on a minor note, when it came to these vaccine, if you're vaccinated, you can now come to this country. Boris Johnson was coming to the White House. They could have made that announcement together. Instead, Boris Johnson says, I expect the president to reverse himself or allow that. And they say, excuse me, uh, Mr. Uh, uh, president, uh, Prime Minister. He's already reversed himself he did this morning. They never even told him. There's a miscommunication with the most experienced people that we've had. I don't get it. The easy stuff they're blowing up.
14: No, I, I can't. You know, I'm sure a lot of your listeners uh, are entertained when you and I disagree about things. Yeah, I agree with everything you just said.
3: The other thing is I have to give credit to our drone team. They're not out there trying to drudge up a story that doesn't exist They exposed a story that the administration didn't want to expose, and now the rest of these other news agencies are forced to go down and see the chaos under that bridge. But you know what they're focusing on, Chris? They're focusing on the Border Patrol on horseback, and they're saying this is racist, and and Maxine Waters saying this is worse than slavery. I believe they're missing the story. And has anyone offered or anyone ridden a horse before, or talked to somebody who's ever policed on a horse before? Those are the length of the reins they use.
14: Well, I'm going to right now. I'm going to disagree a little bit in the sense that I I, having I do also watch some of the mainstream networks, and include in addition to Fox, and they are focusing on the mess at the border. Uh, you know, I, do, I don't know, honestly, how bad, how serious, how over the line the the, the worst thing is. It certainly didn't, didn't look good, but I agree it's not the major story. The major story is that we have just opened this huge hole. You know, people who were desperate to get into this country are going to find the holes and the vulnerabilities. And you not only have 15,000 who were until early this week under the bridge, in del rio but you have these reports of thousands tens of thousands of more people who basically think that they're going to get a hall pass to come through the border that that's a really bad scene you can't have i mean i i don't want to sound like donald trump but you can't have a country if you don't have any control over your borders.
3: A lot of people think you sound so much like Donald Trump all the time. They're always saying I that. I know. They, that. They, I know that. Is is that who hosts Fox News Sunday, Donald Trump or Chris Wallace? I don't know who it is. but I, I want don't you know. To, it's, I, it's not much different. <laughs> I want you to hear uh, Secretary Mayorkas spar with Congressman Jimenez on an issue we know that he's being disingenuous on. Or at least I do. Cut three. Not of anything. the 1.5 million people. Uh, that we've apprehended how many people have been
13: returned, how many people are being detained, and how many people have been dispersed. I would be pleased to um, provide you with specific data subsequent to this hearing, Congressman.
3: Well, sir, yesterday you were asked exactly the same question, and you gave exactly
15: the same answer. You think you'd be a little bit better prepared now that you've been asked that question, that now
13: maybe somebody else is going to ask you the same question. You don't have that information. Oh, Congressman. Let me share something with you quite clearly. I work eighteen hours a day. Okay, so when I returned from yesterday's hearing, I actually focused on mission. We will get that data both to the senator who posed it yesterday and to you, Congressman, today.
3: One point two million fiscal in the fiscal year came across the border. That's without the Gattoways. Uh, they could. How easy is it, Chris, for him to get the data?
14: You know, I got to say, and I'm sure some of your listeners say, what the heck has gotten into Chris Wallace? Uh, That answer by Mayorkas ticked me off. You know, when when Ron Johnson, the senator from Wisconsin, asked it the day before in the Senate, uh, look, it, it should have been information Mayorkas had, but, you know, he didn't. That's fine. But for him to come back the next day and say, well, I was too busy to get it. All he had to do was say to his chief of staff, hey, look, I'm probably going to be asked this question in the House hearing tomorrow. Get the information. That is all he had to do. That would have taken 15 seconds, and they would have come back with the number. They didn't want to put out the number. In fact, the next day, he was asked about, uh, uh, rather, Jen Psaki, the White House press secretary, was asked about it uh, at the White House, and she said, we'll have that number for you by this afternoon. I think that was yesterday or the day before. Guess what? They still haven't come out with the number. It's There is no excuse, and the idea I'm too busy to get up for you is about as bad as the dog ate my homework.
3: Absolutely. So, Chris, uh, last night I was at uh, Michael Murphy's foundation. His dad's starting a Navy SEAL museum, and the other half is going to be mentorship. And Marcus Luttrell was there, and a lot of Gold Star moms, including uh, Officer Dietz, that also went down in the Lone Survivor flight that everybody knows about. They know the movie. They know Mark Wahlberg and everything like that. Have you noticed the SEAL community uh, embracing your story? Because one of the people who spoke via satellite was Admiral McRaven.
14: Yeah, they, they honestly, uh, and I'm so proud of it. You're talking about Countdown Bin Laden, which for the second week in a row is the number two book in the New York Times bestseller list. And uh, McRaven read the book finally and sent me an email and, uh, all I can say is I I treasure it. I'm not going to quote him because it was a private conversation, but he was really pleased with the book. I know that uh, Rob O'Neill, the man who actually killed bin Laden, loves the book. Look, these guys are American heroes. We need these people who go places we would never dream of going, and they go to protect us, uh, and you know, like the line and a few good men, we need people like that walking the point. Uh, you know, they they make this country safer, and I just have the utmost respect for the SEALs and all the other special operators.
3: So now we have a situation where a, one of the, a lawyer representing Navy SEALs came forward. Uh, by the way. And a lot of these Navy SEALs do not want to get the vaccination. You know, we put about $500,000 into them uh, to train them, let alone the great people that they are. We ask them to do the most dangerous missions. And a lot of them are choosing to get out rather than do it. I want you to hear what Scott Taylor said he's finding. He's a former Navy SEAL. Cut 27.
0: When you hear the number hundreds of Navy SEALs, this is something this is devastating. Uh, you have to understand that on a typical year, we're very lucky if we net positive just a couple seals, meaning those who retire or get out uh, as opposed to those who make it through training, which obviously it's a very high attrition rate. You can't simply mass produce uh, Navy SEALs. You can't mass produce pilots either. Right. Uh, so when you hear that number, if it's just tens, tens. Of folks that are leaving we have a problem if it's hundreds this is a this is devastating to our force it's devastating and, to our and assets. that's
3: what we're finding I, we saw another uh, of a lawyer for a group of navy seals it says uh, his name is david yount he was on with tucker military defense lawyer they're not taking it uh, and they need more time to look at it rather than being forced to take a inoculation they're quitting what's your reaction to that Because I also talked to someone last night who runs about five hospitals, and they are losing nurses and some doctors who also refuse to get vaccinated.
14: You know, it's a tough one. And obviously, you don't want to do anything to lose Navy City. You don't want to do anything to lose uh, nurses. You don't want to do anything to lose anybody in the military. On the other hand, there are vaccinations. There are mandatory vaccinations that people in the military have to take and routinely take. And, you know, you talk about unit cohesion. What if... I mean, it, it, it's not an easy one. Don't, you know, you can't say, well, that's a no-brainer. What if somebody in the SEALs, in let's SEAL Team to 6, suddenly got COVID? Are you going to now uh, have to quarantine him? And what are you going to do to the rest of the people? That can have real operational impact. So, uh, honestly, I don't have an answer to it, but I don't think that the idea that, that there are certain organizations where people have to take the, the, the you know, I, look, if I were in a hospital and I'm being treated, in a hospital, I don't have COVID, I'm in being treated for whatever, and it turns out that I'm, as a person in my 70s, by somebody who's decided they're not going to take the vaccine, that would bother me. I don't think it's an unreasonable thing in a hospital to say nurses have to have the vaccine.
3: They have an N95 mask. I'm telling you it because I just had this conversation. So they have the N95 masks. A lot of them have natural immunity already. So that's the issue. And the question is this, Do you agree with the president's approach of I'm losing my patience with you? The military gets vaccinated, medical workers get vaccinated, and if you have more than 100 people, they all have to be vaccinated. Do you agree with that approach? Look,
14: I mean, we at Fox, I mean, let's just bring it home and be real about it. At Fox, we have a a policy that you either are vaccinated or you have to have a test every week. So there is a, a soft a mandate at, at Fox and the vast majority of people at Fox are vaccinated. Um, I, but
3: they I, don't get fired they have, if they don't.
14: No, they have to take a test every every week, though, um, yeah. and which I, I think is right. I I don't know. You know, I, I, you, I know how you feel about vaccinations. I feel differently. And maybe it's because I'm older than you are and therefore more vulnerable. But I kind of feel that I, I'm not going to denigrate the idea of vaccination mandates.
3: Well, you I know, know, I got face. I got vaccinated. Just for the record, I I mean, that no, was no, I was even hesitant, that, but, but I, I went I to we're my we're own, own research. Yeah,
14: I, I I understand that. And but but look, you know, what if people were to say polio, or if people were to say measles or mumps? There are a lot of vaccinations here, and I went to school in New York in the nineteen fifties, public school, PS six in New York. We had to get vaccinations, and and if you didn't, you couldn't go to school. Nobody thought that was an oppression or an abridgment of our freedom of, uh, of, you know, our our personal liberties. So I'm I'm not I'm just not I just don't not offended by it.
3: Right. Uh, They feel like this is brand new uh, and they haven't done enough research. But I think you can't have
14: it. wait a minute, you can't have it both ways. Where you're going to praise Donald Trump for having gotten the vaccine so fast and then say, well, wait a minute, he got it so fast. I mean, either it's either it's safe and effective and has been vetted by the CDC and the FDA. And it's a tremendous triumph. As I believe it is Operation Warp Speed for Donald Trump, then you can't say, "Well, yeah, but it's so fast that we don't necessarily trust it."
3: Right. I think that if you're doing it because Joe Biden told you to, uh, or Donald Trump told you to, I think you're off. Your, that that loses the argument anyway. It should be what your doctor says. Uh, Chris Wallace, thanks so much. We're going to watch Fox News Sunday.
14: Hey, you know what? We did get we did get through about eighteen of the twenty minutes in complete agreement. <laughs> ah. <laughs> I think that's a new world record.
3: I think so, too. America's a better a better place because of it and it, a better country. Pick up uh, Countdown Bin Laden and make it number one. Chris, thank you. God bless you. Back Bye. in a moment.
2: Both sides. All opinions. It's Brian Kilmeade. If you're interested in it, Brian's talking about it. You're with Brian Kilmeade.
3: Hey, welcome back, everybody. Got a few more minutes here. Terry, uh, Terry's listening to WSKY in Lake City, Florida. Hey, Terry.
14: How are you, Brian?
3: Okay, what's on your mind? Good.
14: Um, I just wanted
10: to follow up with Chris Wallace. So I just I would listen to him, and I just don't understand how he can be pro-vaccine but then support the Constitution. He's okay with our rights being taken away with the vaccine, but then supports everything else with the, the Constitution. And my other issue is I just don't like how the government's going about, about this. I mean, I serve my country, and I'm about vaccines, but let the person do their own education like you do and then choose to get it. Don't force us I'm, to do it. I,
3: I never feel comfortable. I remember I had the eye surgery. I had the laser surgery. I did it on camera. And people kept saying to me, uh, "What do you think? Should I get it?" I go, "I don't know. I, I don't want to be. I don't want to be responsible if it goes wrong." Brian told me to get it. I'm not a doctor or a laser surgeon. I'm not going to tell you to go get a vaccine. And if you're one of the people that got to get that uh, swollen heart or fluid on the heart, that's my responsibility. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. And I don't think you should want me to do it. Thanks so much for the call. Hey, by the way, I will hope to see you when I'm in these following cities talking about the President and Freedom Fighter, my new book coming out November 2nd. Charleston, West Virginia, I want to see you there November 7th. December 3rd in Ponte Vedra, Florida. WOKV listeners, I'll see you there. WDBO listeners, November 21st, come out and see me in Clearwater, Florida, uh, December 4th. So all of you out there, go to briankilme.com, get tickets so I can see you in person
9: the Fox News Podcasts network. Download and listen to the one with Craig Gutfeld, the co-host of The Five, like you've never heard him before. You know him, you love him, you want to be like him. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com.
2: Radio that makes you think. This is the Brian Kilmeade show.
1: Uh, yeah, it, it confirms what, what I knew to be true, which is, is something bigger than what happened to me. Uh, it really points to the fact that we have a situation in our country where the powerful elite—people like Hillary Clinton and those around her, the deep state, the media—they're all colluding to destroy outsiders who they deem uh, as posing a threat to their power. So essentially what they do is they, they create this dictatorship where those who are outsiders, those who put country first, those who are not afraid to challenge the establishment and, and those who don't toe the line, uh, they do all they can to silence and censor and eliminate these outsiders that they deem pose a threat to their power.
3: That is Tulsi Gabbard talking about how she was amongst leadership on the Democratic side. She went on the wrong side of Hillary Clinton by telling the truth about uh, and bad uh, about Debbie Wasserman Schultz. And then she feels as though she was marginalized and attacked by what she says, uh, a left wing, uh, uh, basically almost like a militia. Donald Trump and the Russia hoax. Does that play into it? We're going to talk about that right now with Jonathan Turley, law professor, George Washington University, Fox News contributor. Jonathan, welcome back.
10: Thank you very much.
3: So, Jonathan, people looked at the Michael Sussman story and his indictment and saying, wow, I thought there'd be a bigger name than that. Do you think this 27-page indictment matters? And does does it play into what Tulsi Gabbard's saying?
10: It certainly does matter. And Sussman's not a small figure. He was uh, one of the key lawyers representing the Clinton campaign. He was the co-partner of the general counsel of the Clinton campaign. But what's most significant about the indictment is not the charge. This is a standard charge we see in Washington scandals, lying to federal investigators. Mueller used this over and over again. And the media never, you know, you know, denounced it as some minor tangential charge. They all said, well, this is what prosecutors do. And now they're saying the exact opposite. They're saying, well, is this all you've got? Well, there is a lot. In this indictment, for those of us who follow this for years, the indictment is, contains a huge amount of new information that fills in blanks. You have to keep in mind that Perkins Coey, this man's firm, uh, what has been repeatedly named as connected to the, the Steele dossier and this Alpha Bank scandal. And during the election, the Clinton campaign repeatedly lied and said that they did not have a role in the Steele dossier. That includes one meeting with Congress where Mark Elias, the general counsel, sat next to, to John Podesta, who was the chair of the campaign, and, and Podesta expressly denied any connection to the Steele dossier. Mark Elias was funding the Steele dossier through the law firm. Then it turns out now with this indictment that Sussman also was, was hiding the connection to the Clinton campaign. Now, the key about this is that the Alpha Bank scandal was always the ultimate of sort of tinfoil hat conspiracies. I mean, this was just a bizarre claim that there was a server in this hidden link that connected the Kremlin to the Trump campaign. What what John Durham, the special counsel, revealed in this indictment is that even when they were researching this, the researchers said there's nothing here, and people are basically going to make fun of us. One of them said if we release this, they'll get a look at our, quote, bag of tricks. But they were told we're just looking for a good narrative, just give us enough for a good narrative, and they ran with it. So what happened next in the in the indictment, at least what the indictment described? They said that once these researchers were sort of overruled, Sussman goes to the same insiders in the FBI and says, you need to investigate this, but he hides his connection to the Clinton campaign, according to the indictment. Then almost immediately, Hillary Clinton herself comes out and says, well, wow, there is this hidden server, this, this connection with the Kremlin. And Sullivan, the current national security advisor, comes out and says, here's that key link. And a, a, a reporter who was, who was sort of nurtured in all of this by the campaign runs an article to that effect. It was the same profile as the Steele dossier.
3: A couple of things. When you say bag of tricks – who, who are you saying that to? When you said they're going to reveal our bag of tricks,
10: that was made. That was a statement made by someone identified only as a university researcher. Okay, who said, you know, we don't really have anything to support this, and if you make this public, they're going to get a look at all of our bag of tricks. Gotcha.
3: Number two, when when you talk about the one reporter. This is what people are referring to when they say, yeah, you need two or three sources. Dana Perino was on with me yesterday. Yeah, they are two or three from the same people. Like, you're not getting three separate sources. These sources are all involved with each other, giving you the same story from the same source. Correct?
10: Yeah, and what's amazing here is that this reporter did something that's usually considered unbelievably unethical. He sent an early draft to, I believe it was Fusion, uh, but to one of these players. And it then ran later, but they were telling him, you need to get this out right now. So there was this coordination. We also know that Steele first tried to get reporters to run with this information. But what's also important here in terms of filling in, in, in blanks, we just found out in October that President Obama was given a national security briefing by the head of intelligence to tell him that Hillary Clinton was going to suggest a Russian collusion narrative to draw attention away from her email scandal. That's a confirmed fact. And it and it was a couple of days later that the Russian investigation uh, sort of took off.
3: Can I back up and so, just give everyone a, re- a remembrance because this is a long time ago? In 2016... Uh, That was before the second revelation, looking through Anthony Weiner's emails, and they realized there were more emails. Comey gets word of it, and the New York office says to Comey, if you don't come public with this and admit that she's even got more emails on another laptop that belonged to the State Department, we're going forward. So Comey makes that big announcement, Hillary Clinton's on a plane. So in between that, this story comes out in October that Obama knows, gets briefed on the fact that Hillary Clinton— is going to look to push this Russian narrative go ahead
10: well we only found out about this recently that they had a formal briefing that look out Hillary Clinton's going to do this well it turns out of course that the Steele dossier and particularly the Alpha Bank were completely without foundation Mueller found no evidence of that collusion that he could charge anyone for And so that's why this is so important. It's also why everyone is working so hard in Washington to stop John Durham, because this really shook Washington, this indictment, even though people are sort of downplaying it and saying, oh, it's just one charge. This indictment really gives you an insight into how scandals can be manufactured and maintained in Washington. It is a very detailed account of how all of these players used insiders in the media and the FBI to create a scandal uh, that was needed by the campaign.
3: And Jonathan, if you go back, every time Trump would have a couple of things go right, there'd be a big Russia story that would lead the whole weekend and dominate the Sunday shows. So it is scary to think that you can marginalize any candidate in any party or any person with a manufactured scandal in this case and in and in a future case using compliant people in the media that are looking to further their career or their own political agenda and next thing you know it's a self-perpetuating story I'm getting big ratings you're hurting the person you want to hurt Your lawyers are getting paid and next thing you know your party, whatever that party is is benefiting from it that's a scary thing, that's not democracy
10: well it is scary particularly because This is a major story, right? You have the involvement of Hillary Clinton, the involvement of top FBI officials, leading lawyers in Washington, um, all involved in a false narrative that they knew or had to suspect was false. And yet the mainstream media is paying virtually no attention to this. The Washington Post ran a piece that said, is this all you have and maybe you just need to quit? I mean, it's really quite scary because this is a pretty major indictment in terms of what it says, not in terms of the, the count. But the Washington Post in 2019 actually ran an editorial saying to people who, who were telling Mueller, where's the Russian collusion uh, indictments? Why are you just bringing these false statement indictments? And the Washington Post ran this, this indignant piece saying, give him time. This is how cases are built. So, the level of bias here is just breathtaking
3: is it even for you that has all this experience in George Washington living there in that area? It even surprises you
10: It does because i'm always I'm still shocked that the media has lost so much of its integrity and independence, yeah you know, and part of that is because the media embraced this concept of advocacy journalism that it's it's now okay to to report stories, shape stories according to what you believe is the the best outcome for the country. And this is really representative of this. I mean, down deep, these reporters know this is a major story. It involves major actors, including the current National Security Advisor and Hillary Clinton. So by any measure, it's a major story, but they are burying it, just as they buried the Hunter Biden laptop issue uh, scandal and all the rest of these stories.
3: Politico comes out yesterday and says, yeah, it looks like these are his emails. They look pretty authentic. There might be some fake emails in there, but these look pretty real. Jonathan, you talk about breathtaking. We knew this was real. We never he never got the question. Joe Biden barely got the question. And Donald Trump didn't do a good job during the debate making him answer the question. Are you the big guy in these emails? Are these really, forget the laptop, are these emails authentic? Can we contact, we're going to contact the person on the other end. Are they going to back that up? Did you, Mr. President, meet with uh, Tony Bobulinski at the Los Angeles Hilton in the Beverly Hilton prior to making a speech that day? Did you, in fact, we never got any of those questions. And the reason why it matters, not because uh, Hunter is a crackhead who likes hookers. That is a head fake. What the real story is, is he doing international deals with countries that could compromise his president's father, the president's father, you know, the, the the son's father who happens to be president of the United States?
10: Right. I mean, just consider when we go back to when this first broke, I ran a column saying that this is a major story either way, right? Either this is a, a computer belonging to Hunter Biden that reveals that the Biden family has been engaged in extensive influence peddling scheme, or it's fake Russian disinformation as the Clinton and Obama intelligence people all signed a letter stating that it was. Either way, it's a major story, right? Well, the response of the media was to completely bury it. And at that time, I said, put, keep in mind, there's every reason to believe this is authentic because we already knew early on that the FBI had already moved to seize the computer And people who were recipients of the emails were confirming that they were recipients of the emails. Yes. So it was authenticated almost immediately. But you'll notice even with Politico and these other sort of grudgingly acknowledgments that maybe it's true, you notice they don't go the next step, that if this is true – Then those other emails are likely true about Joe Biden's involvement in this information influence peddling scheme and the fact that he is the big guy uh, being referenced in these emails.
3: And there's pictures. There's pictures of meeting with these people in the Ukraine and one in Mexico City. Who knows what else is out there? Lastly, the president of the United States uh, is suing The New York Times and Mary Trump. Mary Trump took tax uh, uh, tax forms of his. Uh, Three o'clock in the morning, gave him to the New York Times. That's how they got that extensive look into his business uh, workings when she had already had a settlement with the estate after the death of her dad. So, and the death of her grandfather and the president's father. From what you know, on the uh, 180, you know, uh, 180, you know, uh, what is the term? From 50,000 feet, 20,000 feet, what do you think of this suit?
10: Well, you know, it's an interesting thing how media has responded to this as well. I don't like the lawsuit against the New York Times because the reporters get confidential information all the time. Don't go after the reporters. What's interesting is her involvement. She signed an agreement, according to the lawsuit, that these would remain under seal. And she doesn't deny giving these this material to the New York Times that would seem a very clear and obvious violation not just of confidentiality but a a promise effectively made before the court so people seem to be brushing over that in the media that what you know you you can argue that the new york times is just being a journalist organization but how can you sort of move beyond the fact that she clearly violated what appears to be a court seal to keep this confidential. So it'll be interesting how this plays out. I think much of it is going to drop out against the media, but her, her role strikes me as being a, a rather uh, fruitful area for development in the litigation.
3: Jonathan, I've, I've, I've actually took three cases up with you. How much do I owe you for all three cases <laughs> and the advice you gave me? Do you have a? Well, the,
10: the fact that you talked about the Chicago Bears today on the morning show is <laughs> enough. We'll call ourselves even, but I didn't feel you gave the Bears enough credit, but we will see.
3: Well, we'll see how it turns out next time we're together. In all sports, forget this legal stuff. Jonathan Turley, thanks so much.
10: <laughs> thanks,
3: bud. You got it. 1-866-408-7669. Back with just you in just a moment. This is the Brian Kilmead Show.
2: Giving you everything you need to know. It's Brian Kilmead. Breaking news, unique opinions. Hear it all on The Brian Kilmeade Show.
6: To really understand it, you have to go back to September 8th. Uh, On September 8th, under that bridge, there were, on any given day, between 700 and 1,000 illegal immigrants, mostly from Haiti. Uh, And that had been the consistent flow for some time, as between 700 and 1,000 a day were crossing illegally at that point. On September 8th, there were roughly 900 Haitians that were scheduled to be on airplanes to go back to Haiti. And the Biden administration canceled those flights. They said, we're not going to deport you. You can stay here. You can remain in America. And what happened was simple. Those, those 900 Haitians, they, they, they pulled out their phones. And they got their phones and they called uh, their, their families. They called their friends. They texted their family and friends. You had 700 people on September 8th. I was down in Del Rio eight days later on September 16th. The day I was there, 700 people had become 10,503. It took...
3: And then we would have uh, top out at 16,000. Then we find out that the administration was in trucks, bringing some to Tucson, in some in a plane, bringing some to Port-au-Prince over to Haiti... And then in other areas, bring them over to uh, Rio in buses and some transport planes. And now we find out it was all a lie. They are all being let out. Almost all of them are being let out to the interior of the country. Then they offer a contract, a contract for people who might have in their organization Creole speakers, French speakers, who can deal with the Haitian uh, immigration, illegal immigrants, and they bring them to hold on to something Gitmo. If there isn't a toxic name... Among Democrats, a more toxic game. I don't know what it is. Gitmo.
9: From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Dominich, publisher of The Federalists, and I'm inviting you to join a new conversation with the smartest thinkers out there about the country and where we're going. Subscribe to the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com.
2: Live from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox & Friends, it's America's receptive voice. Brian, Thanks so much for listening,
3: everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show, 1-866-408-7669. Well, we're following moving events, a lot of moving parts today. We know it's getting down to crunch time when it comes to what's happening with the reconciliation bill, the bipartisan bill. We'll take a look at what's going on because it's all Democrat-related. They cannot get along. They don't agree. They don't even want to talk. The president's getting involved. But, man, everything he gets involved with seems to blow up in his face. I'm not sure that's really going to help. Does anyone like that speech at the United Nations that is pro-American? I think not. Nancy Pelosi speaking right now. We'll bring you the latest. So let's get to the big three.
2: Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three.
4: President Biden's job approval nationally has slipped six percentage points in a new Gallup survey to 43 percent. The argument from progressives is if they don't pass the agenda, Democrats will likely lose the House majority, putting moderate Democrats in
3: a very awkward spot. Mike Emanuel weighing in, took an extra year, but Donald Trump now outpolling Joe Biden on pure performance. The numbers don't lie. Independents are checked out. Can he get them back? Not unless he improves his performance.
13: Number
10: 2.
0: You're going to lose these these 20-year or close to 20-year veterans with this institutional knowledge because of this. If you look up the definition of herd immunity, you're going to see, you're going to read about vaccines in alongside natural immunity. So I think there should be exemptions for that.
3: Not doing it. That's what so many in the military and in medicine and in the black community are saying when it comes to the vax mandates. This is where the rubber hits the road. We'll discuss it.
6: Number 1. On September 8th, there were roughly 900 Haitians that were scheduled to be on airplanes to go back to Haiti. And the Biden administration canceled those flights. They said, we're not gonna deport you. You can stay here, you can remain in America. The word went out that the Biden administration is not gonna enforce the law. And if you're from Haiti, come to Del Rio, cause that means you get to stay.
3: That, uh, some of the research Ted Cruz did is just phenomenal. And it turns out Mayorkas and company are just lying. That's what the DHS did when they told us the Haitian illegals were being sent back to Haiti, where, in fact, they were being released into the U.S. interior for the most part. Thousands remain in squalor under the bridge, while Dems prefer to focus on methods of border patrol and horseback. It is all shameful. So let me describe to you what is taking place. Haiti, Haitians are not coming from that, uh, that mess of a nation who assassinate their president. A coup just took place. We have no idea who's in charge. That's what I originally thought. But it turns out the Haitians that came to our border are ones that were in Central and South America in Brazil and Ecuador. They were hearing reports on social media, and now's the time to come. And as you'll hear from Senator Cruz shortly, now's when they did come. We have been waiting to get out numbers, simple numbers about how many people have come to our country. We get 200,000-plus through the blistering summer in Texas and Arizona that have come to our borders, up 300 percent from 2020, way up from 2019. And no one seems alarmed until we put the drone in the air and they were able to see the numbers that were just camped under bridges in what looks like shanty towns and lean-tos in Texas. I'm thinking to myself, what continent is this, let alone what country is this? It is Texas and it's America. But they decided they're going to come here and just get in because word is Joe Biden, one come all. Yes, so then, as we realize this was overwhelmed, Mayorkas gets scrambled down there first. They try to ground our drone. You believe that? The problem is what America's seeing, not what is happening in America. We put it back up in the air. Other news stations came down. Mayorkas went and visited, and then he realizes they got a huge problem here. There's 15,000 people nowhere to go. I'm going to tell everyone they're going back, and they said they, according to their numbers, 1,700 have gone back to Haiti, who haven't been there in about 10 years, by the way. So that caused the unrest on Tuesday, where a lot of the pilots and ICE agents were attacked as they landed in Port-au-Prince. And no one with this administration is offended that law enforcement attacked. Big shock. Now, what about the other four or 5,000? I don't know. It seems like they went to Tucson or they went to Del Rio, which means they are out and about in buses all across America or the ICE flights that take place in the middle of the night. This is getting real scary, I believe. Very scary. Because no one's looking out for us. And they're lying to us, and they're getting away with it, and I'm not okay with that. Remember when Secretary Mayorkas said this. He said this on Monday. Cut to.
13: If you come to the United States illegally, you will be returned. Your journey will not succeed, and you will be endangering your life and your family's lives. This administration is committed to developing safe, orderly, and humane pathways for migration but this is not the way to do it.
3: The problem is you're saying it to us. The problem is you haven't made the effort to get down there and address these people. You send agents down there. you got the biggest agency in all of Washington, I believe, in Homeland Security. You have people that can go down there and put pressure on, economic pressure, hold back aid. This can't happen. This has got to stop. Remain in Mexico, back in place. The court said it. They don't do anything. Instead, they go up to Capitol Hill and say, tell me how hard they're working. Not effective, not okay. Cut one.
11: We have uh, a letter that I know has been referenced from outgoing Border Patrol Chief Rodney Scott that basically claimed uh, of great concern that he's witnessed any lack of meaningful effort to secure the Southern border. And I'd like to ask you, this person was 29 years in the department, a nonpartisan actor, somebody that served five administrations uh, with the only goal of securing this country. Is the border more secure under your leadership than when you started?
13: Uh, Congressman, the border is secure. We're executing our plan, and I've been very clear and unequivocal in that regard.
11: Mr. Mr. Secretary, the question is, is the border more secure now under your leadership?
13: Congressman, it is no less secure than it was previously.
3: Not true. It's a flat-out lie. That is a flat-out lie. It's not spin. It's a flat-out lie. Senator John
11: Kennedy, cut six. There's a solution. And it's very simple. All the president has to do is go back to what we were doing in December, the month before he took office. I'm talking about the Remain in Mexico program, the safe third country agreements, the border wall and deportation. It'll work. It worked then, it'll work now. All he's got to do is go back and do it.
3: So the New York Times done this story because now the president's getting under... um, He's getting some pressure from the left. Why? Because he says, well, there's a, these are a, a black men uh, and black families, and they're being rounded up and they're not being allowed to come into our country. Race has nothing to do with it. So when Hispanics are stopped from coming in, we're anti Hispanic, but blacks come in, they're anti black. It doesn't matter. People are coming here to this country illegally. There's refugee laws in place. You want to reform them, do it. But you're not going to do anything until you secure the border. So the New York Times does an extensive story. And they're making President Biden look like somebody who's cracking down on the illegal aliens coming to our country. It's just not the case, but I'll give you some excerpts. Part of the dilemma Biden faces is that his efforts to use the power of the office to enact lasting immigration change have been blocked by federal judges skeptical of executive power and slowed by a bureaucracy purposely hobbled by the former president. All not true. He's trying to do stuff that's illegal. That's the issue. Without securing the border, he did something illegal. As far as I'm concerned, he took taxpayers' dollars that are building the wall and we're now paying to store and destroy the wall parts. Who wouldn't want to finish the wall that you voted for in 2006? Biden is struggling to confront a challenge. They say. In the New York Times that has vexed presidents for decades securing the border while living up to US humanitarian obligations to migrants feeling economic hardship everybody outside the US has economic hardship because we are the economic engine the most the, the greatest economic force in the world everybody can't come here we can't afford for everybody we're at 28 trillion dollars in debt and we're adding thousands of afghans now and of 1.2 million under this fiscal year. So, I continue. The approach has prompted fierce debate in the administration where some of his top aides favor stronger policies, no kidding, that would defer people from trying to cross the border while others advocate a more welcoming stance? The hard line has infuriated immigration advocates who have lashed out at the president for expelling Haitians, but their frustration with Biden runs deeper than the current situation. Many say they've begun to doubt whether he has the will or desire to make good on any of his immigration policies. Here's the quote. The question's being asked now is, how are you actually different from Trump? Bernie, uh, uh, a Latino civil rights organization asked who consulted the Biden campaign as a representative for Bernie Sanders. You campaigned that immigration was one of the places where Trump was inhumane and failed. And the last time I checked, uh, Trump is not in power anymore. So get this. And I'll paraphrase. When they first took over, they said, let's leave some of these Trump policies in place or else it's going to be chaos. You know what he did? He listened to the people that said, no, we got to reverse everything. And guess what you have? A unforced error that's hurting this country's security and hurting you in Texas with the Hispanic community. Big time. That's how it all unfolded. And that's what's taking place. So, John Rourke is with this uh, group called Great American Cleanup. He's a veteran. He's with a group of guys. And they try to help out wherever needed in this country. So they looked at the mess of the port, like literally the mess and the garbage uh, under that bridge, and they went down there. Here's what he told Tucker that he saw. Cut 11.
7: With some of my guys, we pulled three, guy, uh, three people out of the river. Um, we went from picking up trash to uh, pulling people from the river, from Venezuela. Uh, the next day on 9-11, I was underneath that bridge, And I see Maxine Waters and Kamala Harris talking about what they've seen. Well, let me tell you what I saw. I saw people washing babies in the Rio Grande. I saw babies, breastfeeding babies, sleeping in dirt, 107 degrees outside. Red ants everywhere. Real coyotes, the ones that have four legs, walking around. It was like Naked and Afraid, Southern Border Edition out there. People are literally knocking down trees and setting up uh, lean-tos and teepees and sleeping under those they they come and go back and forth from Mexico as if me or you walk across the street. There's nobody there to stop them.
3: Unbelievable. And that's what's happening at our border. That is a report from somebody I have no idea who he voted for, but he's outraged because it's anti-American. You want to know what's going wrong with President Biden, why he has 34 percent approval with independence? Afghanistan. You want to know what's wrong? How about the border? You want to know what's wrong? Ignoring inflation. You want to know what's wrong? Efforting to spend another 3.5 trillion when you haven't even spent the 1.9 trillion, which you didn't even need because Trump got you in December bipartisan trillion dollars to help us through a pandemic. For the most part, we're dealing with, but our economy's standing up again. We've recovered better than any other country in the world. We can't keep printing money to get it out. Tell me where the responsible policies are, whether the French are pulling their ambassador, where NATO is expressing their outrage, where they're being condemned in the British Parliament. This is a international foreign policy and domestic disaster, and I wish I wasn't saying that. I'll take your calls next at the bottom of the hour, Miranda Devine, on the other big story that she knew was true and I knew was true and you knew was true. That the laptop that Hunter Biden had, the emails that were in there, the transactions that were chronicled, all are true. She has a book coming out called Laptop from Hell, Hunter Biden, Big Tech, and the Dirty Secrets that the President Tried to Hide, which are now coming out. So glad you're here. Don't move.
2: Diving deep into today's top stories, it's Brian Kilmeade.
9: Living the Bream is a podcast hosted by Fox News Channel's Shannon Bream, sharing inspirational stories, personal anecdotes, and an insider's perspective on actions and rulings from the high court. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News.
2: The fastest three hours in radio. You're with Brian Kilmeade.
5: So now they're attacking a Border Patrol agent who's on horseback. And let me be clear on that. That horse did exactly how the horse was trained to do. The officer did exactly what he was trained to do. The same way horse patrol in New York City does crowd control. Now this, this agent has now been put on the beach looking at losing his job because the Democrats are saying he's whipping a black right. man. He didn't whip anybody. He had reins on the horse that you spin to keep people away from him and the horse to protect himself. He gave numerous verbal orders. These people are breaking the law. It's illegal to enter this country. It's a crime. And this law enforcement officer, who's supposed to enforce that law, is trying to keep people from entering this country. Mm -hmm. He did his job. If you hear the agent, he yelled him, "Go back, go back," and they refused the commands of a law enforcement officer. Another picture they said the agent had his hands on somebody on horseback. Well, shame on that agent for doing his job. His job is to arrest people that enter this country illegally.
3: That's the other big story is they keep on the Democrats say, oh, I'll focus on the agent. I'll focus on the border when it comes to I don't like the way those men on horseback handled the illegal immigrants crossing the Rio Grande River when they did not pay attention to uh, to pay attention to the border agents trying to get them out of the country, which they are supposed to do. It prompted of all people. The disgrace Maxine Waters to speak, cut sixteen.
8: What the hell are we doing here? What we witness takes us back hundreds of years. What we witnessed was worse than what we witnessed in slavery. Cowboys with their reins again whipping black people.
3: Unbelievable. And that is the story they harped all over. Now they want an investigation into that. And the vice president, clueless, without, without any self-awareness, knowing that she's responsible for this chaos, said, well, I want an investigation into that. Did, can you mention the 15,000 that were under the bridge while you were fl- Were you doing a coin flip at Howard University football game that nobody watches? That you evidently went there and some people are proud of that? I'm not sure why. Here's what Congressman Andy Levine said, a Democrat from Michigan, cut 18.
6: I challenge any of you to find a picture from another time where American law enforcement officials were riding horses and charging it at migrants and using their reins as whips and, and so forth, what we saw there. I'm just going to be honest with you all. This would not happen if this was not eight or 10,000 black people. It is outrageous.
3: Unbelievable. Uh, It is not outrageous. They were doing their job. You just heard Tom Holman. There's no racism there. It's called America First. Julio Rojas. This guy is with Town Hall, extremely courageous. You saw him a lot during the riots, Antifa, Black Lives Matter, whatever. He tells you the truth and he rolls on it. This is what he saw. He's at the border. Cut 21.
5: This has been largely ignored by Democrats and the mainstream media. And the one time, the one time they're finally getting all outraged and all in unison and finally speaking out about it, it's all based on a complete lie. What you have to look at is the actual video of the border patrol agents on horseback. They're not using whips. Number 1, number 2, they're actually spinning the reins as they're trained to do because the whole point is to prevent people from getting too close to the horse so they don't get trampled on and become seriously injured.
3: That's the case. Ron, listening on KSLM in uh, Salem, Oregon. Hey, Ron.
15: My brother, I'm going to tell you right now. Maxine Waters, I know her f- fifty years. Almost since I was I'm 54 years old. In LA, the first 10 years of my life, she destroyed LA in three years. The same policies, lie, deception thing. What they have done is derelict to their duties as the Democrat Party. What they have done is turn their blind eyes and that build back better situation. This is part of the Klaus Schwab situation. Keep the borders basically open, bankrupt us, in my opinion. And if you don't, if, if it's probably conspiracy theory, why are they doing it? Why is the New York Times and Post, who had basically spit it in this country going back to World War II, denying the Holocaust, is going through and doing it again by trying to bankrupt us, telling everybody, oh, the border's open, come on up, won't stop them. the tri-cities coming all the way up from. Central America through Mexico, no accountability on the Middle Eastern policies. They could take away the funding. And I'm just a common blue-collar redneck who raised horses. And the thing is to have Maxine Waters disparage, people like that. But they won't say nothing about that lieutenant governor in Nevada that got the heck, beat the hell out, out of him. That's a good out. point,
3: and Ron. For everyone to know, he went in there, and uh, they threw him out through a metal detector. He happens to be a uh, black guy. Uh, he wants to be the lieutenant governor or a Republican. It was all right to beat him senseless and toss him out through a uh, an archway, uh, but they're upset that illegals are coming into our country and the overtaxed Border Patrol has to take action. Thanks so much. Quick note, President Freedom Fighter coming out November 2nd. Uh, I'm going to be on stage talking about all my history books, The War in History and How to Win It, Charleston, West Virginia, November 7th, Ponte Vidra, December 3rd. November 21st, Orlando, Florida, and Clearwater, Florida, December 4th.
9: New from the Fox News Podcasts Network. My
6: name is Kennedy, and welcome to my podcast, which will, I humbly say, single handedly save the world. You're
9: welcome. It's Kennedy Saves the World. Subscribe and listen now by going to
2: FoxNewsPodcasts.com. The talk show that's getting you talking. You're with Brian Kilmeade.
5: Was that your laptop?
14: For real, I don't
1: know. I know, but, but you know that. I isn't... really don't know what okay. the answer is. You don't know, really, yes or no, if the laptop I don't have was any yours. idea. I have no idea. So it could have been yours. Of course, certainly. It, it,
13: it, there could be a laptop out there that was stolen from me. It could be that I was hacked. It could be that, was the, that it was Russian intelligence. It could be that it was stolen from me.
3: Uh, here you go. Uh, and that was him on a book tour, a tell-all book tour with, with a book that did everything except for tell-all about his international business. Uh, obviously, he's amid a mid-crackhead who loves hookers. Why do we know that? He applied video and, and as well as stills and audio, by the way. But the bigger story is how he ties to international deals and his candidate, former vice president, senator, turned president, father. And now we find out that Politico jumps on and says, you know, the more we think about it, Even if some emails are incorrect, there's enough there that's authentic. Why now? Miranda Devine's got a book coming out called Laptop from Hell, Hunter Biden, Big Tech and the Dirty Secrets that the president tried to hide. She's a New York Post columnist and Fox News contributor. Miranda, why do you think now Politico is saying things that we all knew last October?
8: Hi, Brian. Well, uh, look, in, I guess, one word, the election. You know, uh, October was um, just a a few weeks before the election. Now it's eight months afterwards. And so it's safe for the media to start looking at the undeniable, which is the Biden uh, family influence peddling scheme. And it's all laid out there on the laptop. And uh, now there are, you know, some copies of emails that have been doing the rounds and the post, we've continually been breaking stories um, throughout those eight months and my book's coming out. So I guess it's, you know, it's gotten to the point where I think other media is looking at it and saying, well, there probably is a story here. And, um, you know, it's just ironic because Politico, if you remember last year, was the um, About, you know, a few days after we published our first laptop story, uh, Politico came out with an exclusive, which was the letter uh, organized by John um, of about 50 former intelligence operatives who had declared without looking at the laptop or any of the material on it, that it was Russian disinformation. And that effectively killed the story for everyone else. And it just so let's Miranda,
3: can we underline that a second? You had people like Michael Hayden, John Brennan, of course, who have signed off and said, this is Russian disinformation. I mean, so it just blew the—then every media outlet that wanted Joe Biden to win said, look, these experts, they're the ones who told us. They're the ones who—they said, don't waste your time. Don't let the Russians win again.
8: Exactly. And, you know, because they were all so paranoid because Hillary Clinton had whipped up this whole Russia, Russia, Russia collusion hoax, everyone was, you know, you just say the words Russian disinformation and um, people just discredit whatever you're talking about. And the Bidens use that. I mean, in the laptop, there are two other instances where Hunter has said, oh, it's the Russians. He got caught um, uh, using the Ashley, what is it, Ashley Madison, uh, you know dating, whatever it is, service for married people. Um, And uh, there was a a data dump in his credit card and name and birth date and so on um, were all uncovered and he was being called by journalists and at that stage he was married uh, in DC and um, he told everyone that was a Russian scam that the Russians were trying to get at him because of his father so they have used the Russians as their scapegoat from day one and it worked for them again it works every time it worked for them to try and discredit Donald Trump and it worked for them to try and discredit the laptop and you know remember um, within uh, a couple of hours of uh, publishing that story, which we held off till 5am um, to publish online. Within about two hours of that, you had Facebook come out and say they were throttling the story because they felt that it, it was uh, they had to get fact-checkers onto it. They've never done the fact-check since. Uh, and then Twitter locked the New York Post account and it remained locked for two weeks. They only unlocked it a couple of days before the election. And then after the election, um, they say, oh, well, that was a mistake. But it's all too late.
3: It is. And just so you know, if you're just thinking, well, wow, this is a scandal that was suppressed, here's why it matters. Uh, in the political story, they say a person who had independent access to Hunter Biden's emails confirmed he did receive a 2015 email from the Ukrainian businessman thanking him for a chance to meet Drum roll, please, Joe Biden. The same goes for a 2017 email in which he proposed equity breakdown of a venture with the Chinese energy executives, included the line 10 held for by H, Hunter, for the big guy. The big guy, according to Tony Bobolinsky, was the former vice president turned president Biden. Is that money declared? Is that in taxes? The FBI is investigating Hunter Biden. Are we going to – is anyone following this money – Emails released by a Swedish government agency also match emails in the leaked cachet. And two people who corresponded with Hunter Biden confirmed emails uh, were genuine. Politico added, while the leak contains genuine files, it remains possible that some of the material is fake. So what's your, what's your reaction to this? I mean, I'm just I'm astounded that we're going
8: through this now. And now if you follow this path, Biden's in trouble. Well, but there's nothing new in that Politico story. The person that they're confirming is Tony Bobulinski. And Tony Bobulinski gave a press conference last yeah. year. He's taught, he gave a statement to the New York Post explaining that he was a recipient of both of those emails you just cited, the big guy one and the Ukrainian uh, businessman one who met with uh, Joe Biden Um, in Washington, D.C. So none of this is new. But because it's being promoted by Politico, which is, you know, loved by the left-wing media... Somehow it's more legitimate. I, I don't know. You know, in some, it, I don't know whether it's that or just the fact that now Joe Biden is on the nose. His um, opinion poll numbers are plummeting. Uh, maybe you know, and 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 he, the Democrats are in office, so they don't really have much to lose, and maybe they're not cracking down like they did. I mean, they brought out every single powerful tool that they had in their armory to crush the New York Post story. They tried everything and pretty much it worked. I mean, we saw polls after the election that showed that particularly in those battleground states, if people, Biden voters had known about this scandal and, the, and if they had yeah. known that the FBI was investigating Hunter and known what was on the laptop, they would not have voted for Biden. And those numbers of Biden voters that would not have voted for him, even if they didn't vote for Donald Trump, even if they just set it out, that would have been enough to to turn the election. Because remember, it was only 40,000 people in battleground states that made the difference. So, So suppressing... The New York Post stories about Hunter Biden was crucial to Joe Biden winning the election. And my book is not about, I mean, obviously it's about Hunter Biden's laptop, but it's really about Joe Biden because Hunter Biden wasn't doing this on his own. He, in, in a way, was a victim. He was being used by his uh, father and his uncle to go and open doors and be the bag man for the family. Um, and the access, you know, he, he's admitted he was a crack addict. He had a prostitution addiction. Um, he was a mess. And, uh, you know, he, he was it wasn't his pretty face that was getting him into the top of the power elites of China and Russia. I haven't been fully uh, explored yet Um it was his father's access and uh, his father's influence, and he was doing it with the imprimatur of his father. And his uncle was helping him and keeping him on the straight and narrow because he had a tendency to, you know, fall off the wagon. Uh, and you know, it, the the laptop reads like something out of James Bond. You've got he's meeting with oligarchs in Lake Como and Monte Carlo and Kazakhstan and Romania and, you know, there's Moscow and Beijing. And um, I mean, the life he lived was incredible for a guy with no expertise right. who was a serious drug addict, uh, you know. And Miranda, it, it, a couple
3: of things which you bring up. Number one, among those people, I didn't realize this, Leon Panetta was one of the people that signed off on yeah. this in inauthent- inauthenticity which is unbelievable because i thought he had more credibility than that i i, I want to see him asked about that but number two is i, I this is why i don't think donald uh, joe Biden. one of the main reasons why i don't think that joe biden's a nice guy if you know your husband uh, your husband or actually you know your son is is uh has got a drug mm-hmm. problem the last thing you want to do is put that son under stress instead you put the whole financial future of your family there. You put him into deals he's unqualified to make. You trade on his name. You are dealing with other countries with so much at stake that if something goes wrong, like did, like your laptop's left off or you go on a drug binge. <laughs> so what father would put that pressure on a drug adult son? And you have an email of him writing to his daughter saying, I will never do to you what my dad is doing to me. And lastly... As we go through these deals, I kept, I cannot get do a book or do a speech without paying taxes. Immediately, my account goes to me and goes, I need so much money. you got to put this aside. you got to play a perfect game. Where is all this money? Where is the money that's for the big guy? Where is the money that he acquired? Why isn't he a zillionaire now? And if not, where
8: is the money that he evidently had? Well... Um some of it is in a um, private equity fund in China that he has a 10%, um, uh, you know, interest in. And that went, the, the money will come when the, that fund is harvested. And I assume that that is going to be left until um, Joe is out of office. So that's one tranche of money. Um, you know, there were $6 million that was um, sent from... Uh, from the Chinese through to an associate of Hunter Biden's. Now, um, that was looked into when those wire transfers were made public by um, the johnson grassley Senate Committee. Um, And, uh, but, you know, this is the, 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 the person who got the money, there's no evidence of that money. There is some evidence, sorry, I have some evidence of some of that money going back to Hunter, but not all of it. You know, so we know that, you know, about several hundred thousand dollars was paid by that guy to Hunter, but who knows where the rest of it went. Then, you know, you have a million dollars going from another Chinese person to Hunter, um, yeah. and then you know, there's a million here and a million there. Now Hunter um, at one point, when uh, he, when Devin Archer, his partner, got into trouble, um, Hunter and his lawyer then went through his affairs and his accountant, and he had to regularise his taxes for the previous few years. And so there was a huge tax bill that he paid. So... Um, So in terms of the money that actually washed into his account, I think that he's probably okay because of the amount of effort that they went to, um, all the emails backwards and forwards about paying those taxes. other money um, is uh, we don't know. I mean, there were some of his Chinese partners we know had um, offshore uh, bank accounts in um, tax-effective jurisdictions like Virgin Islands, Cayman Islands. Um, And we know Delaware itself... There is no transparency into those LLCs that Hunter Biden had many of them, uh, you some of them that he's connected to. That money, say from the Russians, went to to one of these LLCs that Hunter initially was involved with. His lawyer says he's not involved with it, um, and you can, you have no transparency into it because of the laws in Delaware. Delaware is called America's Liechtenstein because it is <laughs> such a good tax shelter yeah. for companies. So it's it's hard to get to the bottom of it. You know that the money came in but you you have got no um visibility into where it is right. now so um that that's all we know and i would imagine that the fbi um and i guess the irs will will have more visibility but i wouldn't mind betting that on that and also the fara violations i mean the laptop is full of um you know foreign agent um, regulation violations um but uh, let's see what the FBI does. I mean, um, we can we 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 have got no visibility into what what their investigation mm. is going to do, and I would imagine. That um, you know, like everything else that the Democrats have managed to do, um, that that he will he will slide off. He seems not worried at all. Devon Archer is not worried at all. He's he's not in jail. Uh, he's you know he was convicted and then he was overturned and then he had to have a retrial. Um, so. You know who who knows? it seems like Hunter Biden has always been protected. he's, he's uh, never he, people around him have gone to jail, but he remains unscathed, and of course, he was very relieved when his father won office because he said um, in his memoir, he said, "Oh, I was so relieved because now uh, Trump can't come after me."
3: Interesting. Miranda Devine, I can't wait for the book. It's called Laptop from Hell. I have not seen the laptop, only excerpts from it. Hunter Biden, Big Tech, and the Dirty Secrets the President Tried to Hide. Miranda, thank you.
8: Thanks, Brian.
3: Out November 30th. Uh, Back with your calls in just a moment. You listen to the Brian Kilmeade Show.
2: Educating, entertaining, enlightening. You're with Brian Kilmeade. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade he would not be fond of a female Bond. Yes, Daniel Craig would be more at home if 007 has a Y chromosome. Daniel Craig, a rather homely gentleman, said he would not like to see a female fill the role in the next film. Craig told the Radio Times, quote, there should simply be better parts for women and actors of color. Why should a woman play James Bond where there should be a part just as good as Bond, but for a woman? That sounds reasonable. After all, no one wants a male Princess Leia. (laughs) Except for Brian Kilmeade, the pervert.
3: <laughs> wow. that. Uh, why would you bring that back, Eric? Why would you do that? Allison liked it. Oh, that's unbelievable. <laughs> Let's find out if there's hopefully more to know.
2: More to Know. Sponsored by Oxford Gold Group. Call today to learn how you can protect your retirement and savings account. 833-600-GOLD. That's 833-600-G-O-L-D.
3: Daniel Craig's taking heat for saying that women shouldn't play that. Uh, Bond, we know that now. So George firmly, so she added, uh, quote this, George Lazenby, best known as the second guy to portray James Bond, after Sean Connery says he understands where Craig's coming from, believes he was just backing up the boss. And that's Bond producer Barbara Broccoli. Barbara's known for her work in the Bond film franchise. In an interview with Variety last year, said shit, that James Bond character can be of any color, but he is male. What's wrong with that?
6: Yeah, he's a male. Just create a new character.
3: Gotcha. Next, late night shows are teaming up. We told you this last week to tackle climate change.
4: And this week, eight late shows, including this one, are doing climate-themed nights. One night where we put aside our intense
6: white hot rivalries. You can't escape, it's basically an intervention. Our future <laughs> is in jeopardy.
3: Unbelievable, so late night came together, every major show, James Cora, Jimmy Kimmel, uh, Jimmy Fallon, Seth Meyers, Full Frontal with uh, Samantha Bee, Trevor Noah, they all got together, Stephen Colbert, and did a night on, on global warming. That's unbelievable, I cannot, they all were on the same page with something that's hardly settled science. It's amazing. Whatever happened to entertainment? Next. Patrick Mahomes is unhappy with his brother for pouring water on fans. He learned. uh, He says he'll learn from it. Let's listen.
0: There was a clip after the game, a viral clip. Your brother
13: had yelled at Mm. by some fans and dumped some water. He talked to him about that. Yeah, I mean, obviously, it's something that we don't want to necessarily do. Um, There was things said to him and Brittany that that you don't see kind of on the clip. Um, but, I mean, he's, he's been good at it, at, at not trying to respond to that stuff. He takes a lot, and, uh, and he's usually pretty good at it, and he'll learn from it and uh, just try to stay away from those people as best he can.
3: Yeah, Jackson Holmes was caught on camera dousing Baltimore supporters with a bottle of water following the Chiefs' loss uh, to the Baltimore Ravens. Baltimore's a tough crowd. Hey, thanks so much for listening. I want you to keep it here. Go to BrianKilney.com or at any of my books. I'll sign them and send them.
9: The Fox News Rundown, a contrast of perspectives you won't hear anywhere else. Your daily dose of news twice a day. Featuring insight from top newsmakers, reporters, and Fox News contributors. Listen and subscribe now by going to FoxNewsPodcasts.com.